Hey guys, this is Brian. This is Jim. And we are going to bring you an episode right now that's going to have some explicit content. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to have some four-letter words, probably some serious topics. Yes. Some adult Adult topics. topics. Yes. Yeah. Things that like your grandma. Or children. Or your priest. They probably shouldn't listen to this. Maybe even your spouse. It's possible. (laughs) (laughs) We just wanted to warn you guys up front that those things are going to be in this episode. So if you have any of those other people that we listed around, just kind of, you know, tell them to go away. Just push them out of the car. Yeah, get them out. Dude, 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 dude. I guess I should stop dancing and actually introduce the show. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Dude What Movie Review Podcast. Dude, what? I am one half of the hosting squad, a very tired Mr. Brian Sumner. Sitting across the table from me is, I don't know what he is this morning. There's a lot going on here in the studio today, but he is Jim Miller. Say hi, Jim. Hi, Jim. I don't know what that voice is. don't like it. Don't care for it. We are coming to you from the 2420 West Studios today in a very cool, overcast Evansville, Indiana right now. It feels nice outside. Surprisingly Surprisingly, nice. Surprisingly. Or as warm as it is. I'll take it. I'll take it. Right. I love it. Take any little small doses of good weather that we can get. Uh, We're doing some fun stuff here in the studio. We've got cameras rolling right there. Hi. Hello. Hello there. I think Jim's going to mess with some video on this and post it maybe in All Access or maybe even just on the Facebook page or maybe just in his own personal vault at home. Working on adding content to our YouTube channel, actually. Content. Content. Hashtag content. Stephen A. Turner will appreciate that. Hashtag content has a completely different connotation whenever he hears it, though. But we'll just keep on rolling. (laughs) Do I need to put that in the title? Hashtag content. Possibly. Possibly. He would definitely appreciate that. Can we get a shirt for him, Steve? Oh, he would definitely need the shirt. Hashtag content right across the front. And on the back, ask no questions. (laughs) (laughs) Writing that down, ask no questions. There you go. We got some fun stuff that's going on today. We're going to bring you a, a film that I've never seen that I should have already seen here in a little while. But first, Jim, how in the hell are you, man? I am. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> are you? I think listeners have been waiting. They're like, man, he's been doing really well. He's been on a run lately of doing good. So they were waiting for the uh, the Eeyore to come back. End of the road. Nothing to do. And no hope of things getting better. Sounds like Saturday night at my house. Oh, God. (laughs) Spill it. What's up? I'm not. uh, It's actually been good. Life has been good. I'm having a lot of good problems right now. (laughs) Just say that. I have a lot of good problems. Good problems. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice to have good problems. Yeah. With the nature of my job has completely changed, obviously, since leaving hell or FedEx, whatever you want to call it. Um, (laughs) No, you got it right the first time. Yeah, right? So, um, hi, Fred. Uh, But yeah, so my my job, I've taken a lot of things with my new job, which is good. It's good. It's been a great learning and testing experience, but there are elements of it that have started to bring about a little bit of frustration. And actually, it has nothing to do with the job. It's just some of the people I interact with. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Oh, it comes with every job, Jim. It does. It does. But I think the type of people that I interact with and the entitlement they bring with it sometimes, I'm just like... Yeah, and I gotta find a nice way to say stop being that way, please. So, <laughs> well, that's, that, that's the difficult part. That sounds like a pretty nice way of saying that. Stop being that way, please. Yeah, yeah. it's better than the alternative. <laughs> and there are days, yeah, 
that that's all I can think of. So that I, <laughs> I don't feel like I got anything done, you know. But yeah, <laughs> I'm good, man. Yeah. Um, how are you? Oh, just freaking wonderful, Jim. Yeah. Just the yeah. I'm well rested. Uh, I'm happy about everything that's going on. Everything's going great. No issues. Nothing's popped up. I mean, everything is just dandy. He's cracking. We stayed up till one in the morning the other night, putting freaking drywall compound on the ceiling to cover up the fallen in ceiling from last year. Yes, from last year. We talked about it well, on season one. We, talk, we talked about, okay, season one. We yeah. were talking about the Late season year. one. Ceiling fell through in the living room and was starting to fall through in the bedroom. So we patched that up just to get through the winter months so we wouldn't have this big gaping hole in our ceiling. Yeah. So it got to the point where it's been so hot lately and the AC's been running and we knew the ductwork wasn't wrapped. And so it's just condensation dripping off of it. And so it's like, okay, we've got to address this and get it done. So last weekend... We ripped the entire damaged portion of the ceiling out okay. in the living room and the bedroom. Yep. We wrapped the ductwork, and then we had to put a ceiling back in. So we did all that last weekend, and then the other night, we stayed up till 1 in the morning covering up the old ceiling because there is a swirl pattern on our ceiling that was done from the <clears throat> previous homeowner. <clears throat> I won't name any names who that is. <laughs> so... <laughs> And it's a really hard pattern to try and match up and make it look good. So we're like, just cover it up. So we covered the whole entire ceiling with drywall compound and then went back with a textured roller to give it a textured look, like a normal looking ceiling. Okay. So we got all that done. And now when we get done here, I get to go paint the ceiling. (laughs) But the good thing is, once the ceiling's done, I can put the living room back together. We'll actually have our living room back. So that'll be good. All righty. So what you're saying is is you you do construction on the side. No, that is not what I'm saying, Jim. Nope. What I'm saying is I'm a frustrated homeowner tired of dealing with a house that's 750 years old. Sorry. That's an old house. I got Let me just breathe. Take a breath. Just breathe. I'm breathing. I'm I'm good, guys. I'm good. I promise. I'm lying okay. to myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, other than that, we're good. I just really tired, exhausted, works crazy. But I'm a new homeowner, <laughs> so oh, yeah. Speak. yeah. The home that is causing me so much pain. The home that you've dwelt in for a yeah. while. Uh, we actually we've a, we refinanced and actually put me on it. So technically, I'm a homeowner now. Gotcha. So well. <laughs> previous homeowners may or may not be somehow related to you. Right? I don't want to talk about We're it. We're not talking. Okay. <laughs> We're not going into it right now. <laughs> We're not. Gonna, We're just, we have cameras. Let's, in just, the let's, just move, let's just move on. Yeah, just move on. We don't need to talk about that right now. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on with our show here. Jim, we're a movie review podcast. It's what we do. We're going to cover a film here in a little while that I've never seen that I should have already seen. Because we give you guys that are listening a new way to look at some of your old favorites. But right now, Jim, we like to talk about some stuff that we've seen recently. So let's do a little movie talk. Are you not entertained? Is this not why you're here? I just want to watch my movie. So finally, the camera captures here in the studio how stupid we look whenever that audio is playing. <laughs> Jim, I'm going to ask you an age-old question. Have you seen any good movies lately? Uh, yeah. That was hesitation on your part. That was hesitation. <laughs> so, yeah, I've seen some movies. Mm-hmm. I've seen some movies. <laughs> and I've seen some good movies. Yeah. And I figure, you know, I've got two different ones here I could talk about. Yeah, you just throw something my way. 
So this is one that I've been seeing on Amazon Prime lately. I think it's because the algorithm's like, oh, you've been watching D&D stuff. So we're going to throw all these... More D&D? We're going to throw these sword and sorcery type movies and stuff Vox Machina, Eye of the Beholder. What is wrong yeah, so with this you? Is, this is not D&D. Here we go. This is an older movie. Okay. Okay. This is a movie I recall watching as a child, pretty much. Okay. It's from... 1982. Oof. So, yeah, I was born in 81. It came out in 82. Yeah. I remember seeing it on TV, I think, or I don't know. I remember bits and pieces of it. <laughs> yeah. And there's other pieces I'm like, I think I would have remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> must have been some good parts. <laughs> so it must have been the TV versions, all I can say. <laughs> but it's a little movie called The Beastmaster. The Beastmaster, yay! <laughs> now, I haven't seen that since I was a kid. What'd you think of it as a kid? As a kid, I thought it was freaking amazing. Right? <laughs> I loved it. Me too. Like, I, I yeah. recall, like, oh, the Beastmaster, that was a fun movie. That, that, okay, all right, all right. The way you're framing this, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where this is going. <laughs> My nostalgia may not be able to handle this. All right, go ahead. Well, if you saw the full version, I know what your nostalgia is about. I probably didn't see the full version now. <laughs> your nostalgia is probably uh, Tanya Roberts. Oh, mm, yes. Uh, mm. <laughs> yes. You get to see a lot of her in this movie. <laughs> really? Yes. Well, I need to get um, the Beastmaster then. <laughs> right? I was like, I don't recall that. As <laughs> Give a me kid. a copy of the Beastmaster. I would have remembered that. I'm going to get uh, on Amazon later and order me a copy of the Beastmaster, <laughs> which we'll talk about Amazon links here later. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Amazon's like, man, we've gone through the roof on the Beastmaster. What's going on? <laughs> so many sales on the Beastmaster. Anyway, yeah, so the Beastmaster is like a sword and sorcery style. You know, back in the day, there was a whole slew of those that yeah. were coming out, like Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, like they were turning them out left and right. Yeah, so the Beastmaster, I think I had gotten elements of Conan and the Beastmaster mixed up. Probably so. very similar Well, I think stories. they came out around the same time, didn't they? Yes. I will say... It does not hold up. <laughs> That's fair. It definitely does not. Especially one scene pretty early on, you're like, whoa, that wouldn't fly in uh, in modern day America. Right. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, <laughs> Rip Torn plays the uh, the bad guy. Freaking Rip Torn. Yeah. yeah. And you got Mark Singer who plays the Beastmaster. The Beastmaster, yeah. 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 I don't know. It was... Um, <laughs> I think I was going down that nostalgic road. I was like, right. oh, I'm going to watch this. I'm yeah, this Beastmaster. Like... And then I was like, man, I really wish I hadn't watched this. <laughs> it reminded me, like as a kid, like when my grandparents or my dad even, or like an adult would be watching like a Western on TV. Yeah. You know, there was no draw or appeal to it, but I don't know. So I, I kind of was feeling like, oh, I must be that old guy that's trying to find... Something nostalgic from his childhood here, but... It, right. Well, uh, I've, I've been dealing with a lot of that lately myself, so... Yeah. Maybe we're going through a midlife crisis. <laughs> it, so. It's got to be. That's the only thing I can explain. Could be. Yeah, I... I we're both at that age, so... I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Beastmaster. But the Beastmaster, yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, the Beastmaster. Yeah. Basically, it's, you know, this barbarian guy who can talk to animals, and um, I will say the ferrets, That I, that's the one part I remember. He had the ferrets, ferrets, yes. And uh, his tiger and stuff, those were... The things I remember the most. Yeah, I remember um, the, the ferrets was the big thing because it made me want to have a ferret for well, the longest time. And then I had a friend who had a ferret, who had a ferret, and yeah. I was like, "This is the coolest thing ever." And yeah. then I realized how 
freaking filthy they are. And I was yeah. like, this is not cool at all. Yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of wondering if there was a rise in. Oh, I guarantee in, it. In, in the I cell guarantee it. Probably so. Guarantee it. Because I was thinking that too as I was watching. I was like, oh, it'd be kind of fun to have a ferret. And I'm like, no. No, it would not. They're just like long rodents. They really are. They're, look- they're lovable. They're fun. Yeah. But they are messy. Yeah. And if you don't stay on top of it, bad. And let's be honest, they're kind of bitches when it comes to uh, quicksand. So. <laughs> Who isn't a bitch when it comes to quicksand? <laughs> Come on. That's not fair. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, you should see the Beastmaster on AmazonPrime.com. <laughs> what happened here today must never be known. You have powers unlike anyone in the village. The gods have put their mark on you. And someday, you'll find out why. But till then, this mark be your guide so brian yeah have you seen any good movies lately <laughs> no <laughs> oh gosh oh gosh i'm gonna start with one that was like uh, it was not good but i'm gonna talk about it anyway just because it's so funny and how not good it was <laughs> there's a movie on netflix called the package now if you look for it on Netflix, when you get to the actual icon of it, the poster or the cover of it, it's just a big purple eggplant. Okay. Okay. All right. You've probably seen it on I there. I have seen it. Like when you when you first see it, like there's no title for it on the yeah, poster. It's just a, it's just it's a big like, purple eggplant. Even, I don't even yeah. But it's called the package. <laughs> it's about these kids. They're teenage kids. They're going to go out into the woods. They're going to go camping, hang out. The main character of the film is this young guy and this girl that's going. She, I think she's just recently broke up with a boyfriend or whatever. And he's had a crush on her forever and like is madly in love with her. And I think she's kind of mildly interested in him, but she doesn't really know that he's attracted to her or wants to date her. So they're going to go out into the woods, party, drink, you know, typical Teenage crap, whatever. They're going to have a good time. One of the guys that is in their little group that is driving them out there is Eduardo Franco. And you may not recognize that name, but he plays Argyle on Stranger Things. Okay. All right. Yep. In the small sampling that I've seen of this guy, he basically plays the same damn character (laughs) in everything that he's in. So they go out, they're partying. Having a good time. Early on, they tease he has this knife, all right, that he's all like super sharp, you know, real cool. But he gets to a point where he's like super drunk and he's playing with the knife okay. and he goes to use the bathroom. I know where this is going. <laughs> and sure enough, whoosh, he does a little John Wayne Bobbit to himself and removes his own peen in the process. His own eggplant. His own eggplant. Okay. His own big purple eggplant. Okay. Right? Yep. So now it becomes we have to a rescue mission, a, a rescue mission for the wiener, <laughs> and they have to try and save it. They're trying to find a cooler to put it on ice and get him to a hospital so they can reattach it. And it's slapstick. It's goofy. It's dumb. It sucked. <laughs> it just you know it's like I was I was tracking with you yeah, and everything just yeah. dropped at the uh, the cutting the eggplant off. So it has a lot of funny moments in it, like just funny instances right. of dialogue, funny right. little instances within the story. But overall, the ridiculousness of the story is one of those where you watch and you're like, 
why did I waste my time watching this? Why didn't I turn this off at the 20-minute mark like my wife and I do whenever we both know the movie sucks? But yet I continued watching it all the way through. It was not good. It was not worth my time. Do you feel a lot of shame right now? (sighs) Talking about it? A little bit, yeah. (laughs) A little bit. I'm kind of... uh, I think I've just tanked our own show. <laughs> it's uh, sorry, man. It's just you and me. A couple microphones. Just me, a couple you, cameras. Just a couple guys, a couple, couple cameras. cameras yeah. Hey, what's up? Just talking about eggplants. Eggplants. The package on Netflix. Don't watch it. It was bad. This knife is so sharp, it can cut piss. Oh, no. I think I cut myself. I cut my dick off! 911, I have a medical emergency. I need a medevac pronto. Did you get a signal? Sean lost all the phones. First my dick and now my seven shirts. So what about you, man? You got anything else over there you want to talk about? Well, okay, so I don't know if I've ever talked about this movie on, on air. I probably have, and maybe in a past season. But it is one that is part of a franchise. Okay. It's a little bit older. It's a 2007 film. Okay. Uh, I think we watched it on Hulu, actually. Kylie and I, we have some friends that live in Georgia, and a couple of them came up to visit, and I got a little surprised because one of the friends, I didn't realize, happened to like a little bit of action movies. I was like, okay, All right. you need to hang out with Kylie a little more so, you know, maybe we can <laughs> diversify our movie choices here. Well, so she had never seen this little movie, and I feel like it's important to talk about since it's July at the time people are listening to this, so... And uh, the holiday just happened. It's called Live Free or Die Hard. America! (laughs) Okay. Bruce Willis, Justin Long. It was supposed to be, I think, the wrap-up of the Die Hard franchise. And then I think it was so successful that they were like, oh, we'll do another one with him in Russia or something. Have not seen that one. I'll be honest with you. I have not seen Live Free or Die Hard. Okay. I, I have not seen this. I will say. Yeah. It is great. (laughs) it is a great movie i i think it is great there are two points in the movie that are absolutely 100 percent suspend the disbelief ridiculous impossible right pretty much but even still with justin long and bruce willis's uh you know uh, john mcclane character right they're riffing back and forth the the i mean it was just a perfect dynamic between old and new well justin long is one of those guys that can handle dialogue so well so and so well just the wit yes. and, and the fact of like it was you know this this came out in 2007 this was capturing you know back when that the anthrax scare was a big deal back when still technology you know was was still very much yeah I mean, technology's always been out there, but it was one of those where, you know, the internet was becoming, the internet boom, Okay, I think, would be a better way to put it. Right. So it was around that time. And so it was playing on a lot of the fears of, like, everything going to, moving to computers and, right, and right. stuff. And so... So you definitely had to put yourself in the mindset of that time with regard to social media and the internet itself. Yes. Gotcha. However... <laughs> <laughs> looking at it now, you know, what, 2022? Yeah. It's kind of like, well, I could see kind of where... You know. <laughs> Another cautionary tale. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But yeah, it's got a really good cast. It was a well-put-together movie. It really did harken back to the original Die Hard. It was new and it was fresh, right. but it was still very much Die Hard. Okay. It's one of those that I've seen before. I enjoyed watching it again. So it was so, fun to just go down that road yes, again. It's a good like summer movie. Nice. I think so. Gotta have a summer blockbuster. Yeah, live free or die hard, dude. I like it. 
FAA just issued a critical alert. The entire network went down. Transportation system's crashing and they just hit the entire financial sector. You have no idea who you're dealing with. I'll take it from here. So, Brian. Yes, sir. Please tell me you have something better than your last one. <laughs> I'd like to say that I do, but I don't. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right, here's the thing. The the movie I'm getting ready to talk about, it, it wasn't bad. It was just not great. I finally sat down and watched Between Two Ferns, the movie, with Zach Galifianakis. Oh. I finally watched that. Now, if you okay. guys know, okay. uh, Between Two Ferns, okay. obviously, Zach Galifianakis does these little interview things. It was, I think it originated on Funny or Die. You know, it's just Zach Galifianakis sitting there interviewing celebrities, but acting like he's totally oblivious to their celebrity and just asking random, off-the-wall, crazy questions, yeah. putting them in uncomfortable situations. And more times than not, the guests are in on it, and right. so they have to play along with it. But then other times, I think he slipped some in there that they were just were not expecting. Right. <laughs> so, Between Two Ferns, the movie, the setup of it is it's basically his show... But at the beginning of it, he's interviewing Matthew McConaughey. Okay. And yeah. there's a huge plumbing break in the studio, and it <laughs> fills the studio up with water and drowns Matthew McConaughey. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't die. They bring okay, him back. Okay. All right? It doesn't okay, kill him, okay. but almost kills him. This, this sounds great. Hey, like, listen. All right. So <laughs> Will Ferrell is like the head of... The TV station, the the public access TV station that is hosting that show. Will Ferrell doesn't happen to have a mustache as the head of this. No, he doesn't have a mustache. Okay, in he's this not Anchorman. Right? No, he's not Anchorman. Kind of dressed like him, but okay, not. Okay, not Anchorman. okay. All right. So Zach's whole thing in the film is he was promised a network TV show. He's tired of doing public access. He wants his network talk show. Right. And so he's like, I deserve it and all this stuff. And so Will Ferrell's like, all right, you need to give me 10 more episodes of Between Two Ferns. And they're like, we, we can't. We don't have a studio. And he's like, go across country. Find the celebrities and interview them. Bring them back to me. And then we'll, we'll get you your show. Love it. All right. So the idea is he takes a, a small little crew with him. Yeah. Which he can't pay. They don't know that. But he has no money. <laughs> and they're going across country to interview different celebrities. You got like John Hamm, Peter Dinklage, Brie Larson, Keanu Reeves. There's so many people in the film, right? John Legend. I mean, just. Okay. The story aspect of it is okay. The interview segments are funny and okay. Are they as good as the original? It's just like watching Between Two Ferns. I mean, it's just just like that. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing that it's not great. It's not great. It's it's just it's it's got funny stuff, but it's it's not great. Okay. But the blooper outtakes that they play under the credits at the end is some of the funniest stuff you will ever see. Okay. Hilarious. Okay. Absolutely hilarious. I would not recommend watching the movie. Really? It wasn't that great. Okay. But I definitely would watch the bloopers, which you can just find the bloopers on YouTube or on Facebook. You just search in the videos, just search for between two ferns bloopers. outtakes. Yeah. And they're hilarious. They're okay. great. Okay. Some of the ones on there, I mean, just the outtakes with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey is laughing his ass off. <laughs> so funny. John Hamm, he's laughing his ass off. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. I mean, the outtakes are what make the film funny. I will say that that's probably good to watch because there are some of them 
just the Between Two Ferns episodes that I've watched. Yeah. Where it's like, are they acting right now? Right. Because they're so believably like pissed. Yeah. The movie isn't great overall. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's silly. You can get some laughs out of it overall, but at the end you were like, eh. But the credits yeah. with the bloopers. Absolutely watch yeah. that for so sure. You're better off to go down the YouTube rabbit hole than to spend an yes. hour and a half watching a movie. Absolutely. Gotcha. Absolutely. You killed Matthew McConaughey. He's dead? He's brought back to life, but he was momentarily dead. You owe me. Go across the country, get 10 more episodes of Between Two Ferns. 10 of your dumb internet talk show, and you give me a network talk show. I'm a white man, and I'm straight, and I deserve it. All right, Jim, that was some good movie talk, man. Covered some uh, good movies and not good movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to get on to what we do here on the show, Jim. Like I said, movie review podcast. We're going to cover a film right now that I have never seen that I definitely should have already seen. And when we last left off, gave you some categories. Uh, you did. What were those categories, Jim? I don't want to talk about it, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no, the categories you gave me were Arnold. Arnold! Yeah, space with an exclamation point. With an exclamation point. <laughs> and Nick Cage. Nick Cage, baby, Ghost Rider himself. I had said it was not right. Friend of the show, Nick Cage. Friend of the show, Stephen A. Turner. Yeah, <laughs> founder <laughs> of the Homer's Radio Network. Uh, executive producer of Dude What. <laughs> yeah, founder and financial uh, financial backer, financial backer of uh, <laughs> Dude What Productions. <laughs> still waiting on that. Check. Still waiting <laughs> on it. it he hasn't produced any money five, at all. Five years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, did a run-in on our show before we started the recording the second half of Hunger Games and just kind of dropped by to drop off a graduation letter for my daughter and just kind of chit-chatting. And we yeah. had, had a little fun with him in the studio talking. We'll probably have some behind-the-scenes release of that down the road. But, uh, yeah, we were talking about how need to have him in and maybe do a Nick Cage category. Yeah. And then I threw it on here just to mess with you. Yeah. So you kind of you kind of were uh, putting bumpers there. You were kind of directing. Uh, I was messing with you, Jim. You're kind of Babe Ruth in it, pointing I, to where you were getting ready to. Uh, calling my shot, baby. Yeah, calling your shot. So needless to say, I chose space. With the exclamation With point. the exclamation point. It's very important that you keep that on there. And you regretted it immediately. <laughs> Five years, and you still keep disappointing me. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if my wife feels that way. <laughs> if so, she can always write into hey, you guys. At hey, you guys at dowhatpod.com. <laughs> Let us know. All right. So space. Yeah. What were the options? Apollo 13. <laughs> 1995 adventure drama film won two Oscars. 28 wins, God. 59 nominations. Jeez. I don't know why I won so many, because there's not really that many actors that people know, but I'll list them anyway. Tom yeah. Hanks. Who? Bill Paxton. Who's that guy? Kevin Bacon. Never heard of him. Gary Sinise. Huh? Ed Harris. What? Directed by Ron Howard. Oh, yeah, I know Ron Howard. <laughs> Apollo 13. <laughs> This is, this is stupid. When I read this stuff, I'm like, why am I like, this is dumb. Why, why am I writing this stuff down? This is dumb. Why am I doing um, this? When you listen out, anyway, whatever, whatever. Star Wars <laughs> is the next one. Star Wars. You made a point to say A New Hope. Yep. IMDb just calls it Star Wars. Like, it's the right. 1977 action adventure. Had six Oscars. Three years before I was born. 63 wins. 29 <laughs> nominations. Starring Mark. Hamill, Harrison hmm? Ford, Carrie hmm. Fisher, hmm. directed by George Lucas. Really 
kind of a closeted movie most people don't know about. Um, it hasn't built like an entire freaking franchise since the 70s. Um, and now it's owned by the mouse, but whatever. Right. <laughs> Star Wars. And then, hey, you know what? We're hitting all the markers. Why not? The other one is Star Trek, the motion picture. <laughs> 1979, Adventure Mystery, four wins, 20 nominations. Not as many awards. Right. Definitely cult following. William Shatner. Who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. Directed by Robert Wise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Brian. Yeah. What's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? Well, Jim... Here is said box right there. Go ahead and open that up, and let's see what we're dealing with today. Oh, gosh. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know we have the we have the cameras rolling in here in the studio. You can you hold it up for the. You can... I'm, not, I'm not even holding it up. <laughs> Brian, yeah. When we first started this, um, yeah. this whole thing, yeah, we sat down and did a list. Yeah, I told you after we recorded the last episode, I said yeah. I'm pretty confident. I know for a fact that two of these. You know, I, I've heard before. Right. I know one that we've used in marketing like way, way back. Way, way back. So I was like, I, I don't know. This is one when you told me. Did you even say what the movie is? I'm building up to <laughs> it. All right. This whole show is conjecture. <laughs> this is one that was on your original list. Yeah. And... Which surprised you remember because you've forgotten so much oh, of the. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. There's certain ones that just stuck in the brain. And honestly, this when I saw these categories, I was like, oh, great. <laughs> this may be one of the biggest films yeah. and reveals that we've ever done on this show. Yes. <laughs> And the reason why I'm not losing my shit is because I've known about this one. <laughs> Listener, if you are driving or operating heavy machinery, please stop what you are doing. <laughs> Steve, you can stop vacuuming for a moment. As I'm about to reveal to you what was in the box is the 1977 action-adventure film known as Star Wars A New Hope. Wouldn't it be funny if I just cut all that out and just, when he comes back from what's in the box, you just go, Star Wars, A New Hope. <laughs> like, Jim was rather calm of that reveal. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars, A New Hope. Okay, man. Yeah. I knew this day was coming. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to take five years to get to it. <laughs> it's like a fine wine. <laughs> waiting <laughs> and it still stings a little but yeah. like i i've known this has been on your list right since I the think, beginning i think maybe you were hoping that like somewhere along the way i would have just watched it and, yes and, and spared you the agony it of was this. it was one of those i was like okay it's it's okay yeah like you know surely he'll accidentally watch it or something right 
Nope. Okay. Yep. So talk to me, man. Star Wars, okay. kind of, um, I don't know. Important. A cultural uh, phenomenon. Phenomenon. Yeah. We'll figure that out on the back half. <laughs> the look. That look. Now we have video evidence. People can see the look. Uh, that's funny (laughs) have you seen any of this film here's the thing Jim I've seen parts of this it's not lost on me what Star Wars is a lot of it has been spoiled for me over the years okay Okay. I can't honestly say that I've seen it from beginning to end because if I have it was probably when I was really young and I don't remember it Okay. I don't remember a lot of the, the movie at all. I can remember scenes, but it's also kind of like Friday the 13th effect, where there's so or, many Star Wars movies. What have you seen of what parts? Or you know kind of I mean? like a Wizard of Oz, yes. where it's such a staple yeah. in it's our shown culture. all the time. You catch parts of it, and you're like, yeah, I've seen it. And then you're like, no, I haven't. So this is one of those instances. It's just, I think I've probably seen parts of it. I think I may have even seen it all whenever I was really young, but I don't remember it at all. And like I said, a lot of it has been spoiled for me. I know a lot of different stuff, but piecing it all together and seeing the overall story, no, I have not. Well, this is one that we have often talked about Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. And you've talked about how... No one has ever been able to pull off what Marvel has pulled off right. when it comes to overarching t- storytelling over years. Yeah. Every time you've said that, I've always immediately, my mind goes to Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars is probably the granddaddy of, of all of that, which is a commentary unto itself <laughs> because of the fact that people give Marvel so much shit, but yet we can pump out however many Star Wars films over however many decades, and no one bats an eye to that. Yes. No one says shit about that, right? But yet Marvel is the downfall of cinema. Okay. Okay. I'm sure we'll get on. We'll get into that on the back half. I'm yeah. jumping the um, gun here, but... But yeah, so yeah. I, I just say, like, when I think about it, though, because Star Wars, they have had an overarching story. Now, granted, I don't think it's to the level with, with Marvel where they, like, plotted out for 10 years. Of like, okay, this is what it's going to look like. But there's so much story, so right. much content, so much fan fiction, so much It is. It's, it's his own world. It, it is. It's um, literally its own world. It just happens to inhabit on this planet. And dude, it's it's huge. I don't know. If there's a, a person I know that listens. <laughs> and then like, she will go through binging us and then kind of, you know, gets busy with other stuff. <laughs> we have utilized a lot of her stuff when we did the Star Wars gift battle. Yeah. Amy, I'm sorry. <laughs> this day has finally come, though. Yeah. So anyway, so Star we should, Wars. We should just go watch the movie. All right. I so know. that's what we're going to do right now. You are just a sad Star Wars, human being. Really. A New Hope, <laughs> the original OG movie, the one that started it all. Star Wars franchise. George Lucas apparently was a genius. We're going to find out. I'll, I'll make the final decision on it on the back half of the show. So we ask you guys to go get your copy of Star Wars A New Hope. I'm not even going to say if you haven't seen it. Everyone's seen it. I, let's Unless you're like a toddler, you haven't seen it. But let's be honest. There's probably Star Wars fans out there that showed this movie to their kid in utero. So I'm the only one who hasn't seen it. So... <laughs> Go get your copy, take some notes, or just get your manifesto off the shelf that you've already written because you've seen the movie a thousand times. Come back and join us on the second half of the show. We're going to talk about the film, cast, storyline, all that stuff, and uh, we're going to have some fun. It's going to be a lot of fun today, Jim. 
you have that look like you want to murder me. So anyway, we're going to go ahead and get to the back half of the show, and we'll see you guys after the montage. General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Tell me, young Luke, what brings you out this far? This little droid. He claims to be the property of an Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. The rebellion will continue to gain a support in the Imperial Senate. The Imperial Senate will no longer be of any concern to us. I have just received word that the Emperor has dissolved the Council permanently. The last remnants of the Old Republic have been swept away. Governor Tarkin, I should have expected to find you holding Vader's leash. I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. The Death Star plans are not in the main computer. Where are those transmissions, you Decepticon? What have you done with those plans? We intercepted those transmissions! This is a consular ship! No, my father didn't fight in the wars. He was a navigator on a spice freighter. That's what your uncle told you. He didn't hold with your father's ideals. Thought he should have stayed here and not gotten involved. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. He was the best star pilot in the galaxy. And a cunning warrior. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force. Smoky religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. You don't believe in the Force, do you? Kid, I've flown from one side of this galaxy to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything to make me believe there's one all-powerful Force controlling everything. What is it? father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight, not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. I want to know what happened to the plans they sent you. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take it away! Oh, you said it, Chewie. I want to come with you to Alderaan. There's nothing for me here now. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. Look, I ain't in this for your revolution, and I'm not in it for you, Princess. I expect to be well paid. I'm in it for the money. If money is all that you love, then that's what you'll receive. He is here. Obi-Wan Kenobi. What makes you think so? A tremor in the Force. The last time I felt it was in the presence of my old master. Surely he must be dead by now. Don't underestimate the Force. And we're back. Yes, we are, Jim. From a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> Darmstadt? <laughs> farther. Yeah. Farther than that. Way farther than that. Man, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, we can finally check Star Wars off your list. Yeah, funny thing. I, I clearly seen parts of this. I've never seen this movie. Yeah. <laughs> 
I've never seen this movie. Well, as we talked about on the front half, yeah. this is one of those, it is a cultural yeah. phenomenon. It is. To the point to where, you know, kind of like Wizard of Oz and the fact that it has been such a staple. It continues to be a staple of society. Yes. Overall, in general. It just, it has. Yes. Since the 70s, the late 70s, up until now, it has a life unto itself. Yes, it literally is a world. It really of its is. Own. And yeah. like to the point to where I will say, you know how I like to do fun facts on this show. Oh, God. How many you got? Like well, six, seven pages? <laughs> like literally they have an entire thing called Wikipedia. Yes, I think I've heard of that. Wikipedia. Um, yeah. Where it's just all things Star Wars, right? Star Wars fan sites are insane. Yeah. There are some trivia things that... I was looking at him like, okay, I think this is just literally somebody's trying to capitalize on the Star Wars thing, making shit up. <laughs> and then there is a lot of others that were like, okay, these seem like legit trivia things. Yeah. I'm just going to say this. If yeah. you are a trivia nerd, you want fun facts. Well, I what? might drop a few here. Uh, I'm we'll, not. We'll probably link a couple of things. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and just tell you right now. I'm linking in our show notes. There's a website called in a farawaygalaxy.com. Okay. I know nothing about them, so I'm not like promoting them, but I am promoting them in this. <laughs> like, I'm going to link to, they had a, yeah. a 501 Star Wars fun facts, basically. Gotcha. And it's in a farawaygalaxy.com. And the reason why they did 501 was because of the 501st Legion, which means nothing to you. <laughs> If you're a Star Wars fan, you've heard of them, you know what they are. And actually, Brian, you know who they are. Okay. 500 First Legion is a bunch of Star Wars fans that have gotten together. They've made the basically the helmets and the gear for the Stormtroopers. And uh, it's just a whole group of Star Wars fans from all over in honor of the 501st Battalion, or also known as like Vader's Army. <laughs> Special Legion. But these guys, like in the real world, yeah. they go around, they do charity events and stuff like that. Okay. And so, right. but they're the ones you see, like, oftentimes. And I think actually some of the newer movies, they've gotten the 501st Legion involved in, the in being extras gotcha. and stuff. Because they are dedicated through and through. So like, I will link to both again. the 501st Legion yeah. website and this one for all your fun facts to kind of scratch that itch if you're wanting to go down the rabbit hole. Like we've talked about prior. I'm glad they're passionate about that stuff. Yeah. We've kind of covered this before. It's like, you know, that's your thing. Cool. Great. Passionate about that. You well, do you. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's obviously very much a community thing for them. So Right. But, I don't know, they do some cool stuff, it looks like, and definitely check them out if you haven't. But in the lines of that, actually, one fun fact I did find out is that the first big original Star Wars fan club was like $5 to get in. Okay. Uh, but now they have like obviously, uh, it's was, the same amount. But I guess was, you got like that was a, early '80s pricing. Yeah, you got like a patch and like all, all these cool things. Right. It made me think like how we talked about doing a Revenge of the Nerds <laughs> Trilam Trilam <laughs> Dude What Trilam chapter. We need a, a Dude What Star Wars chapter now. We'll we'll get patches and stuff. Maybe put it in our store one day when we have one. So that's me dreaming on air right now. But anyway. Um, I'm not going to dive into a lot of fun facts. Okay. Being a Star Wars is such a monstrosity <laughs> of culture. Yeah. I just want your thoughts, dude. <laughs> Let's just, we're just going to, I want you to talk about it. I, I don't have a ton of questions. Let's just go. Okay. What were your expectations going into it? And notes you've got, all of it, just wherever you want to go, go. Okay. I'm going to make a 
weird connection here. Okay. And you're going to think I'm absolutely insane. Okay. And it's not a connection of film to film. It's just a connection of expectation. You talked about expectation. Yeah. Okay. So when we did Rosemary's Baby. Never say that again. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, okay. Now listen. Okay. There was a lot of expectation on that film just because of what we had read from a top 10, top five horror film of all time, blah, 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 and all this stuff. And and we broke it down pretty well. That's back in the archive. I'm, maybe we'll link to that or something. You can hear us break down Rosemary's Baby. But expectation alone going into that, I felt like we were going to see something very intense and it fell flat. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of the reasons why it fell flat wasn't necessarily because of concept and execution. It was pretty much just dialogue and character development overall. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was just, it was a different time, 60s, I believe. Slower paced storytelling. It just, it, it just didn't translate. It just wasn't good. And we've talked about movies having staying power going forward. Okay. Now, Star Wars New Hope. Obviously, you got to have a little bit of expectation going into it because it's freaking Star Wars. Right. Okay. It's Star Wars. Not really knowing a shitload about the entire run of Star Wars. I still know a little bit yeah. and I still know it's Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So whether you like it or not, if you haven't seen it, there's an expectation that's up here. Right. Okay. Now, through the course of what we've done on this show... I also know that you have to place yourself in the time frame. So now, starting from that point, 1977, this was an ambitious project. Yeah. Okay? I won't say that I'm blown away by it, because I'm not. But in concept, wow, an undertaking. Because you're literally creating a whole entire universe from scratch. The problem that I have with this film... And I was kind of tossing back and forth. I was like, what is not setting right with me? And I think it was kind of like the idea that friend of the show, Stephen A. Turner, had with Endgame. He loved Endgame, but if you watch Endgame by itself, just jump into Endgame, that's a continuation of a story. Yeah. It's not a standalone. It's not written in a way to be standalone. It's a continuation now, like we've said before. That's a culmination of 10 years of movie making, right. of storytelling, right? So by the time you reach Endgame, if you're watching Endgame, you've watched everything else to get to that point. You're ready for Endgame. Not too many people, Joe Blow on the street, are just going to dive into Endgame by itself right. and start there. Right. Whoa. Who is this Thanos guy and why does he have these stones? You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't work like that. This movie was clearly written as part of something big and not a standalone film. You're literally thrown into the beginning. So you come into this movie as if it's a sequel. And I don't know if it was meant to be like that. Because I know well, well, well after this, we're talking like 20-something years later, when he went back and did Phantom Menace. Yeah. Now, I've seen Phantom Menace. I went and saw that when it first came out because I thought it looked really cool. Yeah. I may be one of like the few people that actually like Phantom Menace <laughs> because I didn't have any built-in nostalgia and concept of Star Wars. Right. I went into it fresh. This is the beginning of the story. Yeah. This one doesn't sit right with me because you're literally in the middle of an already existing story. Yeah. Now, I will say, as we were watching, there were some things I'll go, that doesn't look right. I don't remember it being like that. First off, the intro, it says, Episode 4, 
A New Hope. And in, I, original, I, would, I would assume the original had never said it that. It did not have that. Right. Yeah. It just said Star Wars. You basically are being brought into a galaxy far, far away. Which is the story that's happening. Which, to go back to my point, that makes it even worse for the original one, if you think about it. Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. You don't have episode four, just Star Wars. So if you're going into the film, you're thinking this is the beginning, but you're not. You're diving into a story that already has so much backstory that hasn't yeah. been told yet. Yeah. And that's great for doing sequels down the road. You can do a prequel and come back to that. But it was so heavy into the story already at the beginning that it was kind of like it just didn't feel right. Yeah. The beginning of the film didn't feel right to me. Gotcha. Okay. With that also being said, yeah. there were some very evident CGI add-ins mm-hmm. to this film yeah. that were not in the original. Right. So as we're talking and stuff, as you're talking about scenes, I'll let you know. There's a few that I was like, that wasn't in the original. To me, the most glaring one is Jabba. Here's the thing about that. I remember when they started going back and, and redoing the Star Wars stuff, I remember seeing like clips. Because wasn't Jabba just a guy before? Yes. Yeah, so originally, like Jabba, I think he's in the second one or which would technically be the fifth but he is in the original star wars trilogy okay Okay. but in this film he was not him and fett they were not in the original that was all added in after really they wanted to have java in that but they didn't have the special effects enough to do it at that time so it was a scene that that lucas wanted in the film originally but and that's why he went back and added it in. But it's okay. One of those so that was, scene wasn't there prior. Correct. Okay. So when it gets to that in the original one, they just get into the ship, like yes. that whole interaction. Okay. Well, and so the part where the bounty hunter sits down with Harrison Ford. Yeah. There's a shot, and then Harrison Ford shoots him. It was originally Han Solo shot him. There wasn't a shot, but. They kind of tweaked that a little bit too. So, like hardcore Star Wars fans, and I'm listening, guys. If you're listening and you're hardcore Star Wars fans, I'm going to try to do as much justice to Star Wars as I can, but I will not. I will fail you. I promise in this. So, if you have expectations of that, write into the show at Hey You Guys at Dude What Pod. That's funny. And give us your breakdown of my horrible breakdown. But anyway, so all that to okay. Say, there, so they, there are some layers that they've added in that weren't originally in. New Hope. Gotcha. There's some areas where you can kind of tell where you can see the old footage and you can tell where like some new stuff was added in. Yes. But that being said, it wasn't so glaringly noticeable that it took away from watching the film. Sure. Like the the one piece that I, I was reading a lot of people were appreciative of is the award ceremony at the end. Okay. Originally, there was cardboard cutouts. What the hell did you just say? There was like some people, but there was more cardboard <laughs> cutouts. In Are the you background. serious? Yeah, in the background. Okay. Yeah. So obviously, that scene, have it, they went and reshot. They, they couldn't just have real, a bunch. They CGI'd of, real people into it. They could now. just have real people back then, just stand in there. I don't know? think they had enough. Is what what the issue was. So, ah. Yeah. Was, they didn't have enough extras at that time. So that's hilarious. Yeah. Cardboard cutouts, huh? Yeah. That's so, pretty funny. Yeah. Which I made a note about that ending. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. No, I... Yeah. <laughs> I will say, just with rewatching, I forgot how... I, I think in my head... Well, I have my own thoughts, but whatever. Um, this is about you. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. So, you kind of feel like you were just thrown right into the middle. 
it had the feel like you were already in the middle of something big that had already taken place. Yeah. And I mean, knowing what we know now, yes, there's three episodes that happened before this. Sure. You know, so there's a huge build to that. And that's cool that George Lucas was able to go back, you know, starting in the 90s and start building that backstory up. But I think he did a detriment to this story by doing it that way. One particular note that I made, very first note that I made, it was a wasted reveal of Vader. It was so wasted at the beginning. He's he's right. It's it's Vader. He's right there at the beginning. No build. Oh, like, yeah. You know, obviously someone's coming. You see the stormtroopers come in and then Vader comes in. It's like, there's it's Vader. It's like, you took away the mystique of him being this ominous presence right. by not giving a build to his appearance in the film. He appeared as if he had already appeared prior in something that you've seen, which plays into the whole, you're thrown into the middle of a story that exists. Right. He came on the screen so nonchalantly, like everyone knew who he was. Yeah. I mean, now we know who Darth Vader is. Yeah. But back then, 77, when this first came out. Yeah. He was just part of the... He uh, was just... He was just part, part of the Empire. Yeah. yeah. But you have no build to that. Yeah. Because you're literally thrown into it. And it's like, why would I give a shit about this character when he just comes in so nonchalantly? Yeah. What I would have done on that is, you know, the stormtroopers are coming in, the door blows or whatever have that smoke come out, billowing out, do a shot of Vader coming in from behind. So where you just see like his dark cloak. Yeah. And then maybe cut to a shot where you just see his footsteps walking down the corridor there and just build the mystique. Like don't reveal who he is right away. Right. And then whenever you do reveal him is the interaction between him and Princess Leia. Pan back and you see Darth Vader and then have her with the reaction. Oh, I should have known it would have been you. That would have been a much bigger bill. And then you're like, who the hell is this guy? Right. But when he just comes walking in all nonchalant and, you know, I mean, it's like it was it was weak. Yeah. It was weak with regard to character building for someone who is supposed to be a badass character. Right. So I I, I will say his badassery doesn't get revealed until obviously later. Yeah. But you but 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 but, you do know that he's supposed to be. like. But George Lucas has already built. He's already got the mindset. I'm talking about in 77. He's got the mindset of what he's wanting to build with this universe. So he already has in mind who Darth Vader is. Okay, so for your audience, build the mystique right then. Right. You, You have layers of it. You see him using the force to choke the shit out of that dude, you know, and stuff like that. And he's skilled with a lightsaber and all this. I mean, plant the seeds. Don't just bring him in all nilly willy right there at the front. I mean, it it didn't mean anything. Yeah. When he comes in on screen, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. He's just another character in the film. And I feel like that's a detriment to someone that we know that even, even someone like me who's never seen this knows he's going to become a badass. Right. Right. But you don't give him that honor. <laughs> so Lucas actually didn't have high hopes for this film. Really? The opening weekend, he went on vacation with uh, Spielberg. <laughs> and they were talking about uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. He originally wanted to make a, a movie about Flash Gordon. Okay. But he couldn't get the rights to it. And so kind of his solution to that... Is make my own... To basically, I'm going to make my own. And so he you know, pulled from like... There's a famous book about the hero's journey. Pulling from that and pulling from like, you know, old comics and old uh, serials and stuff like that. Yeah. To kind of build this space opera, if you will, or the space Western in a lot of ways. I don't think he had a lot of high hopes for it. So knowing that, I think he obviously had an idea for creating this world. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Because you're thrown right into it. But I don't know to the depths that we have it now, how much of that was in his head at the time. That's why it was called Star Wars. Originally, it was just called Star Wars. 
Uh, and then they went back and did the retro with making it a new hope and adding the the layers of episodes and stuff like that. Well, I, it had the vibe of you know on our side table Stranger Things, we talked about how they had an overall story arc in mind, right? And because of that, they're able to place those little breadcrumbs along the way from seasons one through four, leading into season five. Yeah, the storytelling is much neater with regard to, you know, not having a mess with your structure of your overall story Yeah, that maybe that's what George Lucas kind of fell into some problems with this or something, because knowing what I know from Phantom Menace, from seeing that, yeah. and I've seen that a number of times and then seeing elements of the story in this, it seems like there's a lot of like continuity stuff that needed to be addressed. Yes. Going back and having to retrofit that, I'm sure he tried to clean up a bunch of that with adding extra scenes and stuff like that, you know, but it, it just, it had that vibe, like I said, knowing what I know from right. Phantom Menace. Right. It just had the vibe when he wrote this and put this out and then he went back to create the backstory leading up to it that he was like, oh shit, I got a lot of stuff I got to fix here. Yeah. He, it's like he created himself his own problems and I think he could have avoided that if he had just not made this in such a way to where it felt like it was in the middle of something that already existed, which didn't already exist. Yeah. Within that light to think about during this time when, when this came out Yeah. up until this point, really most sci-fi, most space oriented movies and films right. revolved around your stereotypical alien space invader, like kind of everything was shiny and bright. Right. It didn't have kind of the a little more of the grit or the earthiness of this movie. Definitely had like a dirty kind of vibe, like, like, kind of feel. Like that like it's a, an actual world. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean, this had the vibe. Uh, a lot of the scenes, like these people and these areas, have seen some shit. Yes, like it's definitely a world that's War been around torn, for a while. Yeah, it's ravaged not, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, they they yeah. they've experienced some life. Yeah. And yeah. so that was kind of, that was groundbreaking in and of itself with that, because yeah. you are being thrown into, oh, this is a world that's existed for I will long, say, long before us. I will say, like, it had a good vibe in that regard. Yeah. The droids and the people that... The Jawas? Yeah, going yeah. out and, you know, retrieving drones and robots and crap and selling them off and stuff. Kind of it reminds you of your method neighbor coming and, and pillaging I, your trash? I really don't want to talk about it, but... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but it just, you know, the way the two blended, like the two worlds, you know, you got your human people and then, you know, they're interacting with these people and it's just, it, it didn't feel like it was out of place. It felt like, you know, oh, here comes the rummagers down the road, you know, yeah. we need to get some droids. It just, it, it had a, a natural vibe to it. Yeah. We had talked about on the front end before we watched the movie, obviously that this has won a lot of awards and there's a few big names in there. There's a couple names. Yeah. Young. Carrie Fisher, Harrison yeah. Ford. What are your thoughts? Well, that's my first thought. Yeah, right? <laughs> young Carrie Fisher, young Harrison Ford. Yeah. Some beautiful people right there. Yeah. Harrison Ford as Han Solo. He's just a douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the reluctant hero, so to speak. A smart ass. He's got some skills to back up, but he's also got a mouth that gets him in a lot of trouble. Yeah, he was it was a good character. He played it well. I mean, I don't know how much acting Harrison Ford had done at that point, but he was already really good. Yeah, Carrie Fisher, a presence. I think there there was something about her like she had a fragileness to her in parts, but then she also had a lot of sass to her in other parts, and just a, a good way to balance it all out. And then of course Mark Hamill. It was a good cast, man. Yeah. 
It was a good cast. They were uh, young, but they played their parts well. Talk to me about special effects, man. That's the one thing that Star Wars is most <laughs> known for. Groundbreaking. I mean, uh, heck, Lucas went on to make literally his own special effects company. Right. So, Look, um, here's the thing, man. On the surface, you could dogpile on it because it's 2022 if you wanted to. But that would not be showing the respect to the film that it deserves. It's 1977. Like a handful of years later, we would see special effects used in Nightmare on Elm Street that sucked, that were not practical effects. Yeah. They used special effects that looked like garbage. Yeah. This is 77, years prior to that, and they're using special effects. What special effects exist? And it's 77, man. It looks good for 77. You know, Does it look overall great now? Not particularly, but for 77, pretty good. Well, and to know that you are literally building an entire universe outside of right. what is normal to us. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. normal in 77. I will say the uh, when they were gliding along the Death Star to try and get down in the trench, and you see the different you know pilots crashing and burning, <laughs> it literally looked like an unpainted model city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just looks like they put like a model city out there and just didn't paint it yeah. and then shot it. <laughs> Like, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> yeah, this should work. Yeah. This, this should work. <laughs> it reminded me of that uh, scene from Back to the Future when Doc Brown creates the little model of the town oh, yeah. to show yeah. Marty how they're going to do the thing. Yeah. Please excuse the crudity of this model. I didn't have time to build it to scale or to paint it. It's good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> kind of as you're talking about the, the Death Star and that, that trench scene. Yeah. I started laughing and thinking about the dialogue for the X-Wing pilots. We've talked about a long, long, long time ago in a podcast episode far, far, far away. away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back in episode four, Top Gun. Yeah. And talking about, like, it's hard to have dialogue between pilot, like, dogfighting, yeah. stuff like that. And so I was definitely getting some of the, those vibes. But my mind went further to the dialogue seemed, um, I don't want to say overly sexual, but... It almost felt like there was some of those undertones. Oh, God. So you'll have to go back and just do a montage of that at some point in your life. Hold tight. Look at the size of that thing. They're in position. This is it, boys. We're heading for the target shaft now. Here they come. Loosen up. I can hold it. Pull up. Watch it. You've got one on your tail. Copy, cold leader. Came from behind. Look at that speed. Will you be able to pull out in time? It's just like Beggar's Canyon back home. Maybe I'm picking up something that I shouldn't be. I think maybe you're just a slightly bit depraved. I could. That could be it, too. I guarantee that's that what it is. That could be it, too. Um, Look, the dialogue overall, <laughs> we've talked about using dialogue in fight scenes and dogfight battles, uh, airplanes, anytime there's intense action. It's not needed. Yeah. <laughs> it's pointless. It's dumb. And it's always some kind of stupid pun or some kind of like quick witted joke. And it's like you're in a situation where you wouldn't be joking. You know, I, I don't know. I just yeah. like the, the hallway scene whenever they get Princess Leia out of her cell and they're shooting back and forth and they're just little banter back and forth. It's like you are getting shot at, which, by the way, I mean, can no one hit shit in this movie? <laughs> The worst shooting accuracy known to man. 
And it's not just one person, it's everyone. No one. The only time there was any accuracy was when they broke into that unit there to get Princess Leia out, and they start shooting all the little things on the wall. All the sensors <laughs> with the guns, the cannons and stuff. Yeah. And those were stationary targets. They weren't moving. I, so I, what I'm saying is, all right, we're at a time where they have ships that can go light speed. They have people that can use the force. They have Death Stars. They have laser guns. And you can't hit shit in this universe, apparently. Okay. I know you have not seen the movie till today. Right. Are you familiar at all with any of the uh, running jokes among Star Wars fans? Because for you to say that, like, that has literally been the one running joke since I, the creation of this movie. I may have heard something. I don't know. That stormtroopers can't hit shit. Well, no one in this movie can well, hit shit. But especially stormtroopers. I may have heard, well, that's not true because those stormtroopers are taking those dudes out in that opening scene. True. In the hallway, that, they were hitting them with 100% accuracy. No problem. But then you get later on in the film, apparently no one can shoot now. Han Solo hits the dude through the table in the bar with no problem, not even looking, just aiming his gun under the table, hits that guy, one shot, dead, good. But you're in an open area and there's like 40 people running and you, can, you can't even hit one person? Come on, man. Come on. It's the helmet. That's what it was. It was the helmet. Yeah. Sure was. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about story, man. I okay. mean, that's the thing that we talk about often. Right. Um, that's the one thing that's paramount. Even if um, everything else is going to the wayside, <laughs> we always come back to story. Always. So obviously you didn't like kind of jumping into this world the way that they did. I would have been fine with it. I think if it was just structured and written better and, and if some of the, the shots were done better. Like I said, the whole thing with Darth Vader. You and know, a little more. To, uh, if you dramatic, had a little bit more yeah. build, build to it, you know, yeah. I made a note about that as well. Not enough build and suspense. Yeah. Like there were certain areas where there wasn't enough suspense building that, that they could have done some stuff to make it better. I wish I had made a note specifically about what that was, but there were certain parts throughout the film. I just, I, I wish there was more building of suspense. And you could have done that with different shot angles. I, I know I keep coming back to the reveal of Vader, but. That's a big one to me, you know? I, th I feel like if they had taken care of that, that would have added, like, a little bit more oomph to the beginning of the film carrying forward. As far as story goes, early on, I, I didn't feel like the character development was that great. I thought it was kind of weak. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you are literally thrown into the middle of a, an existing story. To me, this now this is to me, maybe other people feel differently, but it just, to me, it felt like I was watching a movie that had characters that were already developed and you should have already known how they are. Gotcha. Yeah. Like you should already know that this person is like this or this person is like that. I don't have that backstory. I don't have that knowledge. So going into it, I'm watching, I'm like, wait, hold up. Why? What? What? Because you're literally thrown into it. Yeah. But I guess that's nitpick. And I'm oh. sure some people would probably disagree with that, but it just had a vibe like you're expected to know who these characters are. Yeah. Gotcha. It's interesting because uh, do you think maybe it's not so much that, but that they didn't maybe develop the characters enough in the story? But what I mean by that is because I feel like we've reviewed movies in the past where we've jumped right into the action and it's it's like, uh, you know, you don't have any bearing whatsoever for the characters. But then the unfolding of the story gives you more depth to who they are. 
Do you feel like it could that be a, may be why the disc disconnect or the, the discombobulation a little bit for you is not so much that it's jumping into the middle of a of a story, but that they don't do any job of actually fleshing out the characters that you're meeting? It could probably be a little bit of both. I think it's the fact that you're thrust into an already existing story with regard to how it's shot, and then maybe not enough of the character building was done properly throughout the film. But then you have characters like Han Solo and Chewie. You know who they are. Yeah. Whenever they're going to a bar to find people to fly them out. Yeah. They're looking for a pilot. So you already know who that is. So whenever you meet them and you find out that Han Solo is kind of a prick. Yeah. You know, that's just his attitude. And so from that point forward, you have it in your mind. Okay, Han Solo, he's good, but he's also got the mouth that gets him in trouble. He owes money to people. He's kind of scandalous. He's obviously skilled. He's kind of a dick. And you can build from there. Like, this is your first impression of him. Now let's see how the story evolves, and let's see how he builds. And he does build. You know, so they did well with that. But then you have characters, like I said, Darth Vader. Princess Leia. I think they did fine with Luke. I think I just have problem with probably just Darth Vader and the Princess Leia character gotcha. because it's gotcha. it's it, you, it's right there at the very beginning. Yeah. You don't get anything else. And you have to go back and try and retro tell that story, but you you don't even get that in this one either. Right. Like with regard to them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe because there wasn't that... Maybe the way it was, you know, because I mean, with with Obi Wan, you get some backstory. You get a little, a little bit. You get of, a little bit. You get a little more glimpse into who Luke might be. Now, granted, the, all of that felt really sped up. <laughs> I feel. Oh like. my and god! It, you know, yes, um, yes. You know, knowing like they want to get to the special effects stuff, I think was a big part. Well, of Well, I mean, like you see Luke's reaction to seeing his aunt and uncle dead, and then you see his reaction to Obi Wan dead. It's two completely different reactions, and he's known Obi-Wan for, what, a day? Day and a half? Yeah. And how long has he been with his aunt and uncle? Probably right. since he was a kid. Yeah. And so the reactions are just, it, it wasn't believable yeah. in that regard. And that's why, I think that's why I made the note of, like, character development, because it was just like, come on. Yeah. You know, you can do better with that. You know, and speaking of Obi-Wan, is he dead? Is he not dead? Was he ever alive to begin with? I don't you know, know. I, I, it's, you'll have to watch the other movies to find out. I don't have time to watch 48 <laughs> other movies, Jim. <laughs> I barely have time to watch the movie we watched today. <laughs> but no, like he wasn't killed. I mean, he just it was like he just disappeared. It's like he evaporated. So was he ever like actually alive? I don't know. It's it's I, I'm sure that gets fleshed out at some point. But for this film, it makes no sense. And I guess that's something that is just left on the viewer to just kind of ponder and puzzle over. Cause he wasn't dead. I mean, you see Vader go over and kick his cloak and stuff like where's his body. I mean, right. there was no body there. It was just a cloak and a lightsaber laying there. So I don't know. That was odd to me. Yeah. There, it definitely leaves you asking a lot of questions. And I will say talking to hardcore star Wars fans. Yeah. They were really excited about the Mandalorian coming out and then even more excited about Obi-Wan coming out, uh, the Kenobi series, because a lot of things that they're doing now is fixing and cleaning up some of the facts, because you have the original trilogy that came out that was George Lucas's baby. Yeah. And then he sold off the rights, basically. And since then, they've been building, but there's a lot of storytelling, like a lot of stuff into the world that they haven't even begun to touch on. 
Then you've got the the ones now that they've coming back and doing after the trilogy. Then See, you have the ones that they're putting now that now granted since Disney has bought you know Star Wars and stuff right. like they they are going back and trying to fix some of the bits and pieces in the story. Obviously George Lucas did not have that plan with this film. It's very evident. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, it 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 and that it makes me wonder. I'm trying to figure out a way to say this without coming without across offending half of the world without offending <laughs> 99.9% of the population. <laughs> it goes back to Friday the 13th. How was this one germ of an idea able to spawn an entire universe when you have so much continuity errors? Yeah. I don't get it. I, I mean, think a lot of it taps back into the the era, man. I think it it really 77, does. Yeah. going to theaters because I was reading that before this movie came out, you could buy a ticket and hang out at the movie theater all day. Oh yeah. When this movie came out is when then they started really watching the box office, yeah. right? Where it's like you pay to see this movie and this movie only. Right. If you want to see another one, you got to go and buy another ticket. I just because um, I mean I'm hearing you lay this all out. They're going back and they. They had to build backstory, and now they're making shows to go back and fix continuity errors and trying to explain and retrofit everything to this story that was made that, when written, it was clear, like I said, it was clearly written in a way to be part of something bigger. Whether or not he had expectation of it doing anything, but it's presented and written in a way that it's part of something huge already existing. Right. And because of that, you pigeonhole yourself into having to explain and make up for the fact that you fucked up part of your story. Yeah. And in a way, as far as the success of Star Wars going forward, in a way, I know it was inadvertent, but it's genius that you start at this point. Because then you create all these characters that have come from something. Right. And they're going somewhere. So you are you have this nice middle, and you've allowed yourself room to go back and tell a backstory, and then tell the forward story going down the road. But. Yeah. It would have been nice if he had just had a clear-cut vision of the overall story that he wanted to do instead of just having ideas and then throwing this out there. Yeah. I know it sounds like I'm taking a big shit on this movie right now, and I'm trying not to because it's not horrible. It's not great, in my opinion. Yeah. I know a lot of people prop this movie up really high. Yeah. But let's face the facts. There's continuity errors bigger than shit once you go back and you watch other stuff. I, I'll say this, and I, this will—I think—we'll talk about this probably here in a little bit and in the next segment. But I think when people talk about this movie, kind of like what we talked about with Friday the Thirteenth, yeah, they are taking into to context all of the Star Wars movies, right? Right. You obviously have to have a start, a yeah. foundation, a cornerstone piece. Yeah. I think when so when they think about this movie, they're thinking about all of the it's, Star Wars. It's universe, foundational. You know? It's the building block. It yeah. started. It kick started it, and you know. But it, again. It's not to the level of Friday the 13th. So oh, I don't want sure. people to think I'm putting it on that level. Right, I'm just, right. I'm looking at it in the regard of this is what started it. Yeah. It's turned into something massive, it's obviously. It's turned into something really, really huge. But how? How is my question. Yeah. And again, it's a product of the time. It did a lot of really, really great stuff for 77. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. But your story, <laughs> your story, man. Yeah. And that's not even saying it's a bad story. It's just, I think for me, I'm wanting this to hit harder than what it actually did hit. Sure. I think that's what it is. And maybe that's an expectation that I've created for myself. I well, want it, this to be a lot more than what it actually did for me. 
in all fairness, it's near impossible to not have that expectation, though. Because it is Star Wars. Well, it's the same we, thing with we Wizard of have Oz. A theme park dedicated to Star Wars. We we talked about it with Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not you have an expectation or not, you think you don't. There's a preconceived, built-in nostalgia expectation, all the above for Wizard of Oz, right? Because the movie is 276 years old. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure Kyle would have difference of opinion, <laughs> and he has a difference of opinion. But the fact remains. Because of what it is, and when you see it, it has the nostalgia. You watch Star Wars when you're eight years old in the theater. Holy shit. Right. Blow me away. This is a whole new universe. Yeah. But I'm Joe Blow 2022 watching it for the first time in its entirety. I mean, we've had Star Wars gift battles. Yes. (laughs) So, like, yeah. I just wanted this to hit a lot harder than it did. Sure. Did you have any notes? I know you wrote a few things yeah. down. Yeah, I got um, a, I got a few notes. I wasn't a fan of the whole... This is a technical one. I wasn't a fan of the fade-out, like the dark fade-out. Now, I'm not talking about like when they went from scene to scene where like the scene scrolled up and you were seeing a different thing, because I think that ends up being uh, a signature for Star Wars movies, doesn't it? Yeah. Are you talking I, about like a, where it the fades. intro and stuff? Well, no, 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 no. Like, uh, yeah. like if you're in a scene yeah. and it's going to cut to a, a completely different scene and it yeah. does that, f- that, that roll up yeah. where it just, you're in the next scene. I don't mind that at all. That's actually fine because yeah. I think that's a good look. I wasn't a fan of the, uh, the afternoon TV special where it fades to black and then comes into the next scene. Oh, I, yeah. I hate yeah. that. It's so stupid. Yeah. It's so stupid. Yeah. It's like you're expecting a commercial to roll out after that, you know, whenever it does that. I, I'm not a fan of that. I wish they hadn't done that. I made a funny note, so Luke just knows how to use all this shit. <laughs> they get in the Millennium Falcon. He knows how to use the guns and, and target and shoot and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hop, hop on on in there, kid. You know how to use this, right? Really? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I know he wants to be a pilot, but they alluded to the fact that he was going to go off to the Academy or whatever right, right. the next year, so... Anyway, yeah, he was a moisture farmer, not a uh, a, right. gun, a gunslinger. <laughs> right, so. right. It's like okay, yeah, continuity again. Yeah. I made a note of Star Wars book. We had a book whenever I was a kid that my brother had. It was a book on Star Wars, and I remember thumbing through it and looking at pictures and the those ugly ass sand people. There was yeah. a, a shot of the sand people, and it used to give me nightmares as a kid. Yeah. And when I saw them on screen, I was like, oh, God, it made my skin crawl a little bit. Yeah. So I just I had a really funny kind of memory about that. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this or not. The ceiling in Luke's uh, uncle's house, when he they're sitting there eating, yeah. and they're talking about how he needs him for the harvest or whatever. The design on the ceiling, that red paint, mm-hmm. it looked like the design on Darth Maul's head from Phantom Menace. Okay. And I saw that, I was like, holy shit, is that like a thing? I I, I don't know if it is, but because Darth Maul has the, the black paint and the red, you know, he has the red with the black and everything. And right. So I wrote down Darth Maul ceiling. <laughs> okay. I honestly am not so much familiar with episodes one, two, and three. I don't know the answer to that. Um, yeah. If you, he, do, you can always write in and let us know. Phantom Menace. I, I was a huge fan of Phantom Menace when it came out. And like I said, I know a lot of people kind of shit on it at the time. I mean, I had no concept, so sure. I think a lot of it had to do with Jar Jar Binks. But Darth Maul, he was played by Ray Park, who's a martial artist. He played the Headless Horseman in Sleepy Hollow. He played, oh God, he played a character in X-Men with the long tongue. 
Yeah, yeah. Very skilled martial artist. He used the double-ended lightsaber. I watched the fight scene between Darth Maul, young Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Qui-Gon Jinn, played by a friend of the show, Liam Neeson. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that fight scene on repeat over and over and over again because the choreography of Ray Park with that double-ended lightsaber, just yeah. so badass. So awesome. I'm surprised that movie didn't spur a desire to go watch the rest of the Star Wars movies, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. But I liked the the Phantom Menace. I liked it. Yeah. So, like I said, a lot of people took a big dump on that one for a lot of various reasons, but I enjoyed it. What so. kind of makes you wonder also if the ones that were dumping on it had a lot of nostalgia built into the original? It was. It was all hardcore Star Wars nostalgic people who had that built-in yeah. love of the original run. Yeah. And they took advantage of the Phantom Menace as a, a way to just take a big dump on all of it. Yeah. Whereas I went into it with no preconceived notion, and I get to see the beginning. Yeah. The only other note that I wrote down, another odd ending. You know, you talked about that scene in the hall there where they, you know, use CGI to put all the people in there and the metal ceremony and all that stuff. And that's cool. That's great. But that's the end? Yeah. Like, no dialogue? There was no dialogue. Yeah. They blew up the Death Star, bro. Okay, give me something. Give me something at the like end. You know, Give me something there at the, the end. The rebels have won. Some kind of interaction, something. Give me something. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't have suspense build the whole entire time in a lot of scenes. You had some mild suspense. I think I've heard people talk about the garbage chute room or the trash yeah. compactor room or whatever. Yeah. Even in that scene, I didn't feel like it was built up well enough. Right. I mean, they could have done better in my opinion, but... Since you didn't have a big suspenseful build and reveal for Darth Vader at the beginning of the film, why not at the end of the film, after the medal ceremony, show him still alive somewhere on a different planet or something? I mean, I I know I'm very picky about endings, but give me something. Yeah, This is one of those films that I feel like when we do a sequel category, this would definitely be worth watching. I'm not saying it's going to make all things better, fix all <laughs> things, but I think you will begin to understand, right? Because you know the next one is uh, Empire Strikes Back, and gotcha. that is the one that a lot of people talk about. Right? It's kind of like Aliens. A lot of people look at Aliens as like it's better than the original. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, like it's a sequel that has is the actually ab- a really good sequel. A sequel that has the ability yeah. to to contend with its predecessor. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. I would say that Empire Strikes Back. I know okay. for me personally, yeah. that's the one that I. I that's the about. one. When I think about Star Wars and my childhood, Empire. That's the one I think. Empire about. Strikes Back. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, we'll see. Maybe. Uh, that's all my notes, man. That's okay. all I got. Well, just a little thing I wanted to something that I did come across. Pretty much everywhere, even on the uh, suspect trivia list, <laughs> right? Is that apparently George Lucas chose to not take the payout that he could have taken from this movie? Okay, and instead kept like the rights for toys. Brilliant! <laughs> and a lot of at that time, it seemed like a really dumb move, <laughs> but he kept the merchandising rights. Oh God. He made way more money in merchandising than he would ever have made on that film yes. within the first month. Great cash, homie. Yes. <laughs> so when I read that, I was like, okay. Genius. Genius. He may not be an amazing movie maker, but he's a good businessman. 
hey, he's a good movie maker. The the acumen of that to have the the wherewithal to go after that. That's smart, dude. That's well, I mean, you look at it like in something like professional wrestling back yeah. in the eighties and the early nineties. Vince McMahon would sign people to contracts, but they weren't guaranteed payments. It yeah. was just he would sign them to like something stupid like a year contract, fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay. I know it sounds like not a lot, and it's not. Right. He would sign you to a contract fifteen hundred dollars, but he would also pay you a percentage off the houses, attendance, pay per views. But then they got into marketing outside of wrestling with lunch boxes, yep. t-shirts, yep. Jack specific wrestling figures, yep. merchandising out the ass. And that's where a lot of those guys made tons of money. Yeah. I've heard Jim Ross talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, friend of the show Stone Cold Steve Austin. Right. He cashed a check one year during the run during the Attitude Era in the mid 90s. He cashed a check just on t-shirt sales alone that had eight figures in it. That's on t-shirt sales alone. The Austin 316 t-shirt, the highest grossing selling t-shirt in wrestling history. And still to this day, the highest grossing wrestling t-shirt. Yeah. He cashed a check one year that was like seven or eight figures off of just t-shirt sales. It's all about branding there, buddy. Exactly. And so (laughs) for George Lucas to keep the merchandising rights, genius. Right. Absolute genius. I just think about my childhood. I mean, we have the E.T. glasses sitting here behind me. Right. But the other thing, E.T. and Star Wars, dude, especially with my my cousin, he's a little bit older than me, and he had literally everything Star Wars, like every figure you could think of, to the point where now there are days that I think about Man, you wish you had kept those in a box and not touched them and put them in a storage container. How much until money now. would that stuff? They, I know they just sold them in some random yard sale. Well, know, it's funny you mentioned along that because we, GI Joe's we have the little miniature uh, Millennium Falcon in here in the studio on top of the divider right here. I think I'm not 100 percent certain, but I'm very, very positive that my brother had the big Millennium Falcon. Yeah, the big one. I can remember it. I can picture it in my head. Just laying on the floor, like it was. It was just a toy yeah. to play with, like the one that they have in Stranger Things. Yes, <laughs> that's funny. You mentioned that. It's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, because when that scene popped on where they had that, yeah, I turned to my wife and I said, "My brother used to have that." She goes, "Oh, really?" I said, "Yeah." You know how much that thing's worth now? And she goes, "How much?" I said, "Probably six figures." Yeah. She goes, yeah. "Shut up." I was like, "No, I'm dead serious. Yeah. If you have one of those mint condition or in the box, yeah. unopened." You're, so you're, to see how how eleven yeah. took over Stranger Things, but anyway, yeah. we, we just got to do the Stranger Things. Yeah, special. we got That's Stranger Things on mine, <laughs> but so. still. Well, and I mean, even Secret Headquarters here in Evansville, Indiana, has the giant, the ginormous the giant, Falcon yeah. on the wall, dude. Yeah. Again, like these these are things that, from a merchandising standpoint, even they've kind of taken a life of their own. Well, I mean, we talked about it in Poltergeist last season. The bedroom, the kids' bedroom. They yeah. had all the different Star Wars and yeah. stuff, you know, merchandise. That, yeah. uh, it was like a Yoda switch plate <laughs> yeah. for the light switch. Yeah. I mean, there was like $10 million in merchandise <laughs> <laughs> in that one bedroom. So, yeah, it's one of those things that I wish I had Doc Brown here with the DeLorean. I could go back 88 miles per hour, go right. back, right. and I would go into one of those toy shops, and I would buy everything. <laughs> Right. Every single thing you got. You sure you want six of these uh, Luke Skywalker? Yes, I yes, do. Do you have any more in the back? Well, I got like four more. I'll take those yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> Millennium Falcon? Yes, 20, please. Well, heck, want- we'll just rob the uh, the trucks. To bring I stuff want in. all of them <laughs> now. 
I got some college tuitions to pay for <laughs> in 35 years. <laughs> oh man. I just wanted to share that. Cause I, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Which, I mean, he, he ended up able to take a lot of the money that he did make off the movie and then pour it right back into the sequel. Right. So, all right, man, do you have anything else? I have nothing else, man. I, we've covered all my notes. Well, That's, I guess it's time to uh, hear your ranking, my man. Are you wanting some answers, Jim? I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Okay, Jim. Um, here's the thing. I was not blown away by this film. Is that to say that it's a dumpster fire? Absolutely not. It's not. It's got great concept. I like the idea of this overall universe. It's big. It's huge. We've talked about way back in our archive, The Godfather, how with the way it was written and the family and the idea of the family continuing on, if it's well written enough, something like that could live on forever. Star Wars is the same damn thing. Yeah. It's such a big universe and there's so many characters and they're doing more shows and, and continuing the story and adding more to it. There's so much more you can build off of. And like I said, I don't have any concept of any of this other stuff, you know, Mandalorian and the Obi-Wan show and all that stuff. I don't have concept of any of that. I haven't watched any of that. I've literally only seen a new hope and phantom menace. That's it. <laughs> I haven't seen anything else. Okay. Yeah. But what little sampling I have, I can see where people latch onto this and they're hooked. Because it didn't hit me as well, for me to score it low, like low, low, would be a detriment and dumb and careless. Because I can tell just by seeing the time frame that it came out and how ambitious the story was with regard to what they were wanting to execute, special effects alone, music. Oh my God, John Williams. We didn't even talk about that, but it's yeah. freaking John Williams, you know, genius, right? Yeah. For me to score it low would be reckless. I'm not going to score it low. I am going to give it... I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. It doesn't hit me as hard as it does a lot of other people, but I feel like a four is a, a relatively decent score for it just because of its place in history. Overall, not bad. I'm intrigued to see more of the story. I just wish they would have executed this one better. And like, like you said, he wanted to do a Flash Gordon movie instead. He couldn't do it, so he did this instead. Maybe he didn't put as much effort into this because he didn't think he didn't have a well-enough established story to make it successful like a Flash Gordon. By all accounts, like you said, Empire is the movie for you, yeah. which is the sequel. So he probably like, oh shit, I actually have something here. Let me step up my game. Right. So I am interested to see Empire now. Yeah. It's kind of his version of trying harder. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there, young man. Uh, yeah. oh. As ambitious as he was with this story, I wish he was a little bit more ambitious with regard to taking care of the overall execution of the story itself yeah. with what we see on screen. I think there is a few things that he could have done here and there, building suspense intense moments, cut back on shit dialogue when it doesn't need to be there, uh, work on your character interactions better, and for God's sakes, if you have an inkling at all that Darth Vader is going to be the badass that we all know he is in 1977, if you know that, treat him that way. Yeah. He's a force. Treat him that way. Right. That's my only knocks and gripes and stuff, but I think a four, I had thought about maybe scoring it a three, 
But I think a three middle of the road is, I don't think is good enough for it. I'll look at it the same way like I did with Wizard of Oz. Yeah. All right. For the technological marvel that this movie is for its time, what it did, it's a five all day. Yeah. But overall execution of the story and how it felt for me, a little bit lower. I think a four is a good score for it. Yeah. All right. Well, you gave it a four. I did. If somebody doesn't like that, they can write into us. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how you compare to the world, man. Brian takes on the world. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. May God have mercy on your soul. You're all gonna die! IMDB, easy for me to say. What a douche. Two thumbs up. My favorite segment on the whole show. <laughs> so. Yeah. A thousand and one movies you must see before you die. The book that I've had so many questions about. You want to take a guess if it's in there? Oh, I guarantee it it's in there, and it's probably got an 18-page spread. You would be wrong. No 18-page spread? Two-page. Yeah. Got a nice, cool picture of a R2-D2 and C-3PO in it. As you can imagine, yeah, it's in there. He, he <laughs> right. basically saying, you know, writer-director George Lucas's film was not expected to be a success. Studio bosses were so convinced the movie... A sci-fi western with a virtually unknown principal cast would flop. That they happily gave Lucas the merchandising rights to any Star Wars products for free. That's just stupid! They gave it to him for free? <laughs> Dumbasses. They obviously never expected that it would lead to two sequels, three prequels, an Ewok spinoff, cartoons, computer games, toys, soundtracks, books, huge video and DVD sales, clothes, bed linen, <laughs> and even food. In innumerable parodies, notably three Star Wars specific editions of the cartoon Family Guy. Um... <laughs> I like that a lot. It almost makes me want to change my ranking to a five just because of that. Just because of, just because of that. To the man. Yes. <laughs> yes. I really, I'm serious. I'm 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 on that cusp of changing it just because of that one simple fact. It has nothing to do with the movie, but no, just the it has balls nothing to do with it, but the balls of him to say, uh, oh, you don't want to give me any money? Okay, fine. Uh I'll take all merchandising. Yeah. Take it. Go ahead. What are you going to make off that? Oh, I don't know. How about $40 billion over the next four Literally decades? Literally an entire empire. Jesus. <laughs> that is awesome. I would love to be a brother-in-law of George Lucas. Right? <laughs> right? That's all I want. Because you know you're getting some shit paid for. My God, that dude is just straight printing money. Straight cash, homie. He's got a printing press. He lives in Fort Knox. Right. That's where George Lucas's bedroom is, in Fort Knox. He has a bed. He has a nice comforter laid across a stack of gold bouillon, and he's got a printing press over in the corner. That dude is just printing dollar bills over and over and over and over again. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the movie cost $11 million, went on to make over $460 million. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it probably didn't sound like a potential blockbuster, let alone one of the most successful films ever made. Dude, it, it probably made more money than all the other movies combined in 1977. Yeah. Yes, sir. We got more money than David Crockett. He goes on to say, you know, Lucas created a mythology that has been embraced by young and old alike, as well as creating various creatures from his galaxy far, far away. As good versus evil storyline introduces us to people, phrases, and concepts that have since become part of the English language. The Millennium Falcon, for example. Um you know, lightsabers, Imperial stormtroopers, things like that. And they, they just kind of wrap it out with, in giving the world Star Wars, Lucas succeeded in making much more than just a movie. 
one that would eventually get its own exhibit at the Smithsonian, no less. <laughs> he made a world, a new style of cinema, and an unforgettable outer space opera that has been many times imitated, but never bettered. And you never can see the strings. Yeah, so that was the 1001 movies you must see before That's awesome. you die. IMDb. Yeah. Gave it an 8.6 out of 10. Really? Yeah. Metacritic gave it 90. Really? How, how, what? <laughs> yeah. I thought those numbers would be flip-flopped. I really thought that the audience score would be a little bit higher and that the Metacritic would kind of maybe be critical of it. Yeah. There are things to be critical of sure. in the film. Sure. But from a nostalgia standpoint, I figured that number would be in the 90s. Yeah. That's interesting. Oftentimes what we see, right. rotten tomatoes, yeah. kind of the opposite. Okay. The tomato meter gave it 93%. Okay. And then the audience gave it 96%. <sighs> that is a lot of built-in nostalgia for this movie. Right. I can understand the audience score. The Rotten Tomato score, I'll give it. I'll give it just because of its place in history. Sure. It's too high for me. I would give it on their ranking probably 82 83, it's Rotten Tomatoes. They're going to take into consideration its importance yeah. and not just how it hits you. For me, it hits me at about 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Sure. But a 93 on their scale? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Roger Ebert. Here we go. Now, I went and looked, because there's a few of them on his website. Oh, God. And I went to find the one that's dated for January 1st of 1977. Okay. Okay. Gave it four stars. Of course, Jim. Look, of course he gave it four stars. Which again, we got to put probably, ourselves as a move as it, a movie review person. It in probably filled his little wondrous heart with so much joy to see this <laughs> big universe that he never thought he would ever see. Brian, Brian okay, we're sorry, trying, we're trying I, harder. Here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> if I nailed it verbatim, I'm gonna give myself a cookie. <laughs> he starts out by saying, "Every once in a while, I have what I think of as an out of the body." experience at a movie. Oh my God. When the ESP people use a phrase like that, they're referring to the sensation of the mind actually leaving the body and spiriting itself off to China or Peoria or a galaxy far, far away. Oh, for... We can tell he's, he's young into he's the, so in the movie review game. So dramatic. Jesus. When I use the phrase, I simply mean that my imagination has forgotten it is actually present in a movie theater and thinks it's up there on the screen. In a curious sense, the events in the movie seem real and I seem to be a part of them. Star Wars works like that. My list of other out-of-the-body films is a short and odd one, ranging from the artistry of Bonnie and Clyde or Cries and Whispers to the slick commercialism of Jaws and the brutal strength of Taxi Driver. On whatever level, sometimes I'm not all sure, they engage me so immediately and powerfully that I lose my detachment and my analytical reserve. The movie's happening, and it's happening to me. Goes on to say, what makes the Star Wars experience unique, though, is that it happens on such an innocent and often funny level. It's usually violence that draws me so deeply into a movie. Violence ranging from the psychological torment of a Bergman character to the mindless crunch of a shark's jaws. Maybe movies that scare us find the most direct route to our imaginations. But there's hardly any violence at all in Star Wars, and even then it's presented as essentially bloodless swashbuckling. Instead, there's entertainment so direct and simple that all the complications of the modern movie seem to vaporize. He goes on to talk a little bit about Star Wars... His whole journey within all of this. Be a good read. I will link to it. But he wraps it up with saying, The most fascinating single scene for me was the one set in the bizarre saloon on the planet Tatooine. 
as that incredible collection of extraterrestrial alcoholics and bug-eyed martini drinkers lined up at the bar as Lucas so slyly let them exhibit characteristics that were universally human. I found myself feeling a combination of admiration and delight. Star Wars had placed me in the presence of really magical movie invention. Here, all mixed together, were whimsy and fantasy, simple wonderment, and quietly sophisticated storytelling. When Stanley Kubrick was making 2001 in the late 60s, he threw everything he had into the special effects depicting outer space, but he finally decided not to show any aliens at all. Because they were impossible to visualize, he thought. But they weren't at all as Star Wars demonstrates, and the movie's delight in the possibilities of alien life forms is at least as much fun as the conflicts between the space cruisers of the Empire and the Rebels. Perhaps that helps to explain the movie's one weakness which is that the final assault on the Death Star is allowed to go on too long. Maybe having invested so much money and sweat in his special effects, Lucas couldn't bear to see them trimmed. But the magic of Star Wars is only dramatized by the special effects. The movie's heart is in its endearingly human and non-human people. I don't think that's right. No, it's not. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? The fact that he was so enthralled and so brought in was because of the special effects. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, 1977, you're in the movie theater. Yeah, you're in the theater. You're living in a new world now. He's transfixed. He said it himself. You know, outer body experience, transfixed. He he felt he was in it. Had nothing to do with the characters. Yeah. Character development and overall character building was a little off because of the fact that you got tossed into the middle of an already existing story. The hell is he talking about? I love how he's like, it's one flaw. Wrong. <laughs> Has many flaws. Yeah. I didn't feel like the sequence with the Death Star went too long. I didn't feel like it went long enough, honestly. Yeah. It's the fucking Death Star. Right. It's supposed to be <laughs> impenetrable, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be the the eater of worlds, so to speak. It has this one flaw in it, and they exploit it. I felt like it should have been longer. It should have been a challenge to get to it. The attack on the Death Star went too long. Are you kidding me? It didn't go long enough. That sequence alone should have drawn out the film like another 10 to 15 minutes. Because it's the fucking Death Star. If anything, like it should have been a shit ton of them going after it. And they're mowing through them. Yeah. That's what it should have been. It shouldn't because on screen it looked like it was like eight, right, <laughs> eight yeah, like fighter eight pilots out there. It's like uh, this is our army, and one oh, was Luke. <laughs> it's like oh god, you guys really brought out all the guns, huh? What yeah. the hell? It's supposed to be a rebellion. Yeah. Where, where's your numbers? Yeah. You know, I mean, come on, yeah. like that should have been drawn out longer to to get to the weakness of the Death Star. Yeah. Again, not enough build in suspense that he's sitting there saying it. It was too long. Okay. <laughs> I was with him until the end there. And then the shit he started writing at the end is like, that makes zero sense whatsoever. Yeah. Again, like I said, character development, and maybe it gets better in Empire. I felt like they could have done better overall. Yeah. There's things that they did well, but it could have been better overall. But it was, that wasn't what drew me into the film. Yeah. It was story concept and it was the action. And to say that there wasn't a lot of action, okay swashbuckling <laughs> is he referring to the, the lightsaber, to the lightsaber yeah. fight yeah which it's 77 what do you expect i mean yeah look yeah. okay ebert is a car salesman and we're just gonna leave it at that 
He is a roadside merchant with an elixir to sell. A la Wizard of Oz is what he is. <laughs> I'm here to sell you my goods. Please read my article and praise me. He's a gifted storyteller within his written reviews. Congratulations. Like, it's great for a read, but beyond that, no. That Ebert is a funny fella, let me tell you. He's a, he's a funny guy. He's a funny little man. So, I've taken on the world and dominated yet again, because that's what I do here on the show. It's time to move on to the next part of the show is where we get ready for our next episode in two weeks, Jim. Got a new episode for you guys. And the way that we do that on this show is I got to give Jim some new categories. I'm going to try and get away from the sci-fi space thing, because we've kind of had a run on that. I'm going to try. We have had a run on that. I'm going to try. (laughs) So... Jim, I have new categories for you. Okay. Are you ready for those categories? Let's do it. Okay. Here we go. First up, high school movies. These are films set in a high school environment. Mm -hmm. Characters are high schoolers. And if you choose that category, that's what we will cover. Okay. Next category, badass cops. These are films that have characters that are badass cops. And last category, keep it simple, adventure. These are adventure films. High school movies, badass cops, or adventure. Make your selection. Hmm. I know which one I want to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I think I'm going to go with the other route. All right. Let's do high school movies. Really? Really? Okay. I was thinking adventure, but let's do high school movies. All right. Yeah. I like it. I really thought you were going to take adventure. I was. Yeah. That's the one I was, I, I'm, but I'm, I'm like, shocked. you know what? I'm trying to think of, okay, I want to make sure that we don't get anywhere near sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And knowing adventure could easily fall in that line, so. Okay. Um, so high school movies it is, man. Are you ready for your selections from the high school movies category? I am ready. Okay. First up, American Pie. Okay. What, what is that? What is I the... just I don't know what I was thinking when I said high school movie. So it's like okay. Do you want to phone a friend? You want change your no, mind? No, that's fine. Let's, we're doing this. Second, pretty in pink. Okay. And the last one, Greece. <laughs> okay. Do you regret your decision? Just do you regret your decision? Okay, this is funny. American Pie, yeah, Pretty in Pink, yeah, or Grease, yes. One of which we're going to cover on the next episode of the Dude What Movie Review Podcast in a couple weeks. We're going to blow Jim's mind. <laughs> he's he's kind of got a look right now. I wish you were still recording on video right now. It'd I be know, funny. right? <laughs> Golly. One of those films we'll definitely cover. It could be two, it could be three. You don't know. We just never know, Jim. Only one of those movies will be revealed, but it could be two or three that I haven't seen. We just don't know, man. We just don't know. We want to thank you guys for tuning in to the episode this week. This was a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun breaking down Star Wars A New Hope. I hope that you guys are enjoying the show. So, as always, you can check out everything that is Dude What related at dudewhatpod.com. 
Go over there and check out our archive, check out our blogs, check out our history, check out our specials. Now, I know, Jim, it's early. It is early. It's early. Yeah. But before you know it, in the blink of an eye, the holidays are going to be here. (laughs) They will be. We always have a fun holiday schedule. We do. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. We have holiday specials planned for down the road, and it's going to be a lot of fun. To get prepared for those, go into the archive and check out our specials. Actually, we have a separate tab just for tab. our just, specials. Yep, I believe it's a, specials, yep. I believe it's do what pod.com slash specials. You can go straight to those holiday specials and it's pretty cool. It's got our St. Patrick's day hangovers in there as well. <laughs> those are always fun. <laughs> that and the, uh, yeah, all the other behind the scenes. Oh yeah. That. Yeah. Good stuff on there. A lot of good stuff. Follow us on all the social media outlets as well. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for at dude, what pod or dude, what podcast real simple to find us. Jim's made it very easy for you guys to get in touch with us. It's super easy. Really, well, we've also just recently added a new social media. We did. We have YouTube, which some people you may not realize. Right. We're, we're going to be adding some videos and stuff to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also just made a Pinterest account. We did, and it's also at Dude What Pod. That's right. So get on there, follow us there too. Absolutely. You see some cool uh, posters and stuff that we have on there. It's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. And then just like I'm kind of pinning, like making our own boards and stuff of right other people's. Really cool stuff. Yeah. So, so it'd be a lot of fun. You can follow us on there. It'd be great. We have show notes on each one of these episodes. Uh, Jim was alluding to it earlier, different things that we're going to link to. And you got their Ebert review. We're going to link to that. Uh, the Wikipedia, we're going to uh, link to that. Uh, have all kinds of different fun, interesting links that are going to be on here. And also, some of those links are going to be Amazon links as well, yes. which is a way for you guys to help support the show. If you hear something on the show that we talked about and you follow those links, it'll take you to Amazon Prime and you can buy things like a soundtrack, a movie, whatever. And if you use those links to make those purchases, we We, might get a little bit of a kickback on the back end of that commission. Help the show. You know, we're not looking to make a ton of money or anything like that. I mean, let me back up. I'm ready to make a ton of money, (laughs) but we're realistic about it. We're not going to make a ton of money off this, but if we can help pay for some of the technical stuff that we need to do here on the show, that would be fantastic. And that is one way that you guys can do that. Also in the show notes, you can get in touch with us. Hey, you guys at dudewhatpod.com. It'll be in the show notes. It's the easiest way for you to email us. And throw some questions at us. Comments, concerns. I'm sure a lot of people are going to take me a task for Star Wars A New Hope. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Judging off the Brian Takes on the World scores. Who knows? I might be in the clear on this one. I might be be okay. You might be. Kyle Mayo's probably still lurking out there, though. (laughs) 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 Got to watch out for him. But email us for sure. Any questions you got, we will read them on air, answer them. And it's a lot of fun doing that, for sure. And also, in Facebook... If you get on there, we have a little group on there called All Access. All Access. It's a fun behind-the-scenes group. We have a select number of people that hang out in there, and it's just fun behind-the-scenes stuff. And Jim usually will unveil some stuff that we're going to post in All Access first. So like today, we were recording in the studio. Jim's going to do some video stuff. He'll probably post some of that in All Access first before it actually goes onto the YouTube channel. Yep. So that's one thing that you can do when you're in All Access. And you can help shape the show. You can give us suggestions comments concerns we'll probably check all those first before we check anything else and you really do get to help shape the show and it's actually kind of a a ticket into whenever we decide to do an all access on our web page yep you'll be getting uh, first access to all that as well yep cool stuff really really cool stuff jim i don't think i have anything else man i think i've covered everything i think we're good to go 
I think I've covered all of our uh, social media stuff. This was a, a long recording session, but it was a lot of fun. I think we had some good conversation today. And I think the one thing that we have taken away from this experience is that George Lucas is a freaking genius. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and roll on out of here. Thank you guys one last time for tuning into the show. Really super appreciate it. And we will see you guys in two weeks for high school movies, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. High school movies. See you in two weeks. Bye, guys. He is in the original Star Wars trilogy, okay? okay? But in this film, he was not. Him and Bob Bubba Fat were not at all. Did you it. say Bubba Fat? Bu- Bubba Fat? Bubba Fat. Isn't it Boba Fett? Boba Fett. Uh, that's what I said. <laughs> Bubba Fat. <laughs> that's what I said. Bubba Fat. <laughs> Did you know Bubba Fat was the name of my first bouncer at my strip club in Florida? America! <laughs> oh... Booby traps. That's what I said. <laughs> Let's do that again. Anyway, <laughs> what's I talking about? Job of the Hut and Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry.